And we're back with episode 10 of Standing Room Only. Now, Matt, I don't know about you, but kind of thinking back when we started this, um, I didn't really think we'd make it to episode 10, in all fairness. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but it's been quite the journey so far. So what have you kind of taken away from it? Yeah, well, Jay, I know I shared this with you earlier, but 90% of podcasts don't make it past nine episodes. So look at that, top 10%. Uh, you know, I know we're climbing the charts. And uh, no, but it's been awesome. We've had some great guests on. It's fun now, uh, kind of watching them go through their playoff journeys and uh, looking forward to continue bringing on some some awesome guests. Yeah, so uh, last week we had Corey Connors on, um, PGA Tour Canadian. Uh, it was great. We had a lot of great feedback and our, our listeners loved it. Um, and then, you know, we've had a lot of NHLers come on so far and stuff like that. Uh, today we don't have any special guests like that. No no type NHL player, no, no fancy golfer. Um, so we're just going to do kind of a playoff special uh episode we thought we'd do that for the 10th one uh, and just have some fun so um we do have a little bit of a surprise so you know we're, we're bringing them in all the way from if you listened last episode uh you'll, you'll get the connection but listable ontario uh we do have a special special guest and he does play for the university of guelph hockey team was a captain in the ohl for kingston frontenac so please welcome teddy nickel thanks for having me on guys i'm uh, i'm really excited and uh, I've listened to the previous episodes and they've been awesome. So I'm glad to uh, join the standing room only podcast family. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think Teddy actually might be the biggest fan of standing room only so far. Uh, I've been getting a lot of messages from him. Every episode we release, he, he texts me after. And he did help us uh, secure Corey Connors last week. So we do owe him a lot and we're uh, excited to have him on for this week and just kind of have fun. We'll talk about his career, uh, talk about the playoffs. Uh, a little also side note, Teddy and I lived together uh, at the University of Guelph. We were housemates, and uh, so we might have some fun stories there. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Matt, do you want to start us off and, and maybe ask uh, an opening question for Teddy? Teddy, thanks so much for coming on, man. So let's go right back to the beginning. When did you first start playing hockey? And was that the only sport you grew up playing, or were, the, were there others? Uh, yeah, I think just getting into hockey from uh, my brothers. Uh, I have a, a twin brother and two older brothers that all played and I think that just it was natural for our family to be at the rink in the winters and um, it's not the only sport we played we played uh, baseball in the summer and golf in the summer as well and uh, just fell in love with hockey and and uh, had fun doing it with my brothers um, it was it was awesome to to grow up with them and uh, watch them and with their careers and and try and do the best I could with my career so it was a lot of fun yeah so you mentioned uh, your brothers there's four of you um and what's the age range between kind of you and, and your oldest, Brett? Uh, so Brett's, uh, he's 88. So he's nine years older than Blake and I. And then Max at 93. So there's four years between us and uh, 20 minutes between Blake and I. So uh, obviously Blake and I are, are uh, pretty close uh, with everything we do. And um, it's been a lot of fun growing up with them and seeing how they, uh, they're moving forward with their lives and stuff. So... Yeah, and you and Blake are uh, identical twins, just to put that out there. So I'll tell a little story of uh, Teddy had just moved into our house in Guelph not not too long before, and he had a, he has really long hair, and he always had like in a man bun and stuff, and I always told him he had to get a haircut. So then one day I came home, and or I think I was at home, and all of a sudden I saw Teddy come up to the front door, like coming back from being at home in Listowel, and <laughs> he uh, he got short hair, so I'm like, oh, like you look so good, you finally got a haircut. He goes, oh hey, I'm Blake. <laughs> like like I had no idea that it was not Teddy. It looked just like him, and I thought it was him. Have Have you heard the story about my long hair the first time? So it was my first year in Guelph, and your brother Scott 
who I played with in Guelph my first year, uh, I got a haircut one day and he had kind of long hair and he said, what are you doing? Don't ever get a haircut. And so it was literally two years since my next haircut. I, I just, I never cut it. And it's kind of funny. I don't even know if he knows that, but he just looked me dead in the eye and said, what are you doing? Don't get a haircut. And never did for another two years, but it was just a little funny story I had. So how did you two meet? I think from Scott, um, you know, I played with, with Jay's older brother my first year and, and uh, my older brother, Mac played with Scott as well. And um, we met a couple times throughout the year, but um, it was in Lethbridge. Were you in Lethbridge? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, we were sitting during our game and, and he kind of said like, you have a spot to live together, live next year. And uh, I said no. And then kind of fell into place after that. Yeah. And then we were inseparable after that uh, for the year of living together. People always kind of made jokes about us as, you know, maybe being a little too close sometimes, but uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, growing up in a small town of Listable, uh, we had Corey on last week, um, and, you know, he said, I think it was maybe 1,700 people. Is that, no, what's the population, you know? What did he say last week, 7,000? Listable would be close to 8,000 now, probably, I would right. think, but North Perth has a couple other little small towns, and it's probably around 14,000. Yeah, so you lived in Listable, and you played AAA growing up for uh, Huron Perth, right? So what was that like? How far did you kind of have to drive for uh, practicing games for them? Uh, yeah, we would practice twice a week, I think, and uh, usually it was 45 or 50 minutes away, um, and then two games on the weekend. And sometimes our games were closer than our practices if we played in Kitchener or Waterloo. It's usually, you know, it's a 40, 45-minute drive, and sometimes we'd have to drive an hour for practice so it was it was weird to have that experience but it was an awesome experience and we met lifelong friends uh playing with the lakers and um it's a great organization for someone to develop their hockey career yeah did you find that um you know myself and jay we grew up in a small town and our local triple a team always was near the bottom of the standings just due to the number of kids that would try out uh was that the same for you you know growing up in Westwood, there's probably not a ton of kids that play for that triple a team or no um yeah so <clears throat> listowel was is a small town and uh we usually had some success with our minor hockey um we had a good age group of 97s that were great hockey players great ball players we we excelled in both sports but the the lakers draws from cities around in here on perth so uh, Goddard, St. Mary, Stratford. So there was a big drawing from towns around and uh, we usually had a pretty good team. We, we made it to the OHL Cup in our minor midget year, which was a big achievement for us. And yeah, we, we had a lot of success playing for the Lakers. And was there ever a time when, you know, you kind of took that next step and said, okay, I'm going to try and you know, be an NHL player? Or was it always just, I want to be an NHL player when you're young? Yeah, when you're young, uh, you always want to dream of that. And, you know, it's in everyone's head. Um, but when my brother Mac got drafted to the Guelph Storm, you know, I, I kind of stepped back and I said, wow, like, you know, if he can do it, you know, I can do it and I want to do it. And uh, so having Mac go through the experience and uh, just looking at how his OHL career went, I wanted to do that. Like I, it, 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 that was the next step. And I didn't, think about you know the OH or the NHL or the next step after that I just wanted to play in the OHL and um it was awesome I loved every minute of it yeah well you're a 97 and your age group's pretty stacked especially a lot of kids from Ontario who were some of the best kids growing up uh, you played against um yeah 97s was a really good OHL draft and NHL draft um Travis Konechny um and Lawson Krause who I was a teammate in Kingston with for a couple of years 
those two are the top guys in, in the alliance is what it's the league we played in. And they played in Elgin and they were the two top guys. Um, trying to think we play, I played against Marner, but he was in the GTHL. Um, obviously McDavid was a year up. Uh, so we didn't play against him, but there was a lot of good players uh, our age and you can see how well they're doing in the NHL now. Yeah, McDavid was out playing against guys like me in a tournament. (laughs) Beating us 10-1, I think. I think they beat us 10-1 when I played him. Six assists. No goals for him, though. So I shut him down. All right. You shut him down, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you mentioned Kingston there. So, uh, yeah, in 2013, you were drafted in the fourth round. um, 65th overall, I believe, to Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL. Um, So what was that like? Were you watching online? A lot of our guests were. uh, Or did you get a call from Kingston? And how did that day kind of go? Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, Just my family was sitting around. Um, It was a Saturday morning, I think. And we were just watching whatever was on TV. And I had my laptop and I'd refresh, refresh. And my name popped up. And then you slide over and see who picked you. And it was the Kingston Frontenacs. And it was crazy. I text my a coach um, I had a couple years prior and he said, what were, what would be your ideal team to go to? And I texted him the night before I said Kingston. So I always wanted to play in Kingston and it was crazy that it happened. And I'm so glad it did. Um, it was kind of a crazy day though with Blake. He was drafted in the 14th round, uh, 200 picks. Exactly. Uh, he was 265. So I kind of uh, hold that over his head a little bit, but for him to get drafted was awesome. Um, it was a special day. It was a, it was a tough day. It was a long day, um, but it was, it was so special going to camps with him. And um, yeah, it was something I'll cherish forever. Yeah. So just to clarify for the listeners, Blake got drafted by Kingston as well, right? 200 picks after. Yep. yep. Were there any other teams that stuck out that you thought you might go to? Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, um london kitchener guelph Owen, even Owen sound they were always they're close to list so that was always kind of at the top of the list too. those teams and um actually went on a visit to london once just to see a game and meet the coaches and stuff but um nothing came out of that and i'm glad i landed in kingston but any one of those teams would have been awesome to play for as well so yeah and why why did you want to go to kingston so bad like what was the draw there my simple answer is the jerseys. They were sweet. I love the jerseys. Uh, that was number one. Uh, number two was uh, Roland McEwen, who is from Listowel as well. He was on the team. And uh, yeah, he was a good buddy of mine and still is. So that was another one. And, and I've been to Kingston once before and, and uh, didn't do much. It was more of a just a one-night stop in Kingston, but it was awesome. And um, yeah, it was kind of a random city to want to be drafted to but it was the best to be drafted to yeah and for those that don't know kingston's uh quite the university town they got the local university there and two colleges were you close to campus um where you lived and if not did you ever kind of venture down that way to the bar scene uh yeah we we would live um the billets were always on the west end um kind of away from the the student ghetto as they call it in kingston so we were never uh, down there partying or anything like that, but, you know, we always, we had a night, um, Sunday nights, we could, you know, let loose a little bit and go down to uh, the bars down there and try and behave. But um, yeah, we weren't, we weren't anywhere near the students. We, they didn't want us doing that. So we were usually good and um, had some fun on the meantime. Yeah. So you didn't see a stumbling Matt win until I walk in the streets of Kingston, eh? Maybe on a St. Patrick's day. We had the, it was usually about, 
15 minutes to the rink and um on st patrick's day it's crazy what aberdeen is that the the road they close yeah yeah um almost every st patrick's day we had an away game and uh you knew you had to leave like an hour before because it was so nuts down there you had to leave an hour to get to the rink on time so maybe you were there one of the days uh never know yeah i'm sure we crossed paths once or twice on that day (laughs) your first year uh with Kingston, you didn't you didn't make the team as the fourth round pick, so you actually ended up playing uh, for your hometown Listable Junior B team uh, as a 16 year old. Uh, so talk about a little bit about that year. Uh, what was that like, kind of you know playing for your hometown team? I know there's a lot of support locally there for you guys, uh, and it's a pretty good program there. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Mac was the captain, and Blake and I and another buddy were the. We had three 16 year olds, so um, Friday nights we would get a boatload of spaghetti into us and then head to the rink and um, it was cool having having my three my two brothers and, and a, one of my best friends um, to live with and play on the, the cyclones with and um, yeah it was such a special year uh, for my development um, I led the team in scoring that year so it was uh, it was a nice chip on my shoulder there but um, it was just so much fun going to battle with the cyclones and the fan support was always so good and um yeah, it was, it was a great year. Yeah, and it looks like you got called up at one point that year. You played six games for the fronts. Um, how did that conversation go, and was that towards the end of the season or midseason? Yeah, it was uh, the middle of the season. They had the under-16, um, so they lost some guys, and for the World Juniors. So they lost a couple guys to the World Juniors and uh, under-16. So um, I remember I got a, a call uh, the week before saying, hey uh, – we want you to come to Sarnia and play. So uh, I was kind of blindsided by it, but uh, was ready for the opportunity. And uh, my dad drove me to Sarnia and I played one game and uh, that was it. I came back to Listowel, uh, practiced and played for Listowel for another week around Christmas time. And then uh, I think it was December 26th, I was back in Kingston for five more games at Christmas. So it was kind of a crazy couple of weeks around uh, uh, Christmas time, trying to figure out where I was going to be playing. But um, in the end, it all worked out. Yeah, was that first game in Sarnia kind of surreal to step on an ice with that many fans and that big of a rink? And Yeah, it was it was crazy. So it was kind of cool, though, because my dad got to drop me off at the, at the rink. And, you know, I'm just some kid with a suit and tie with a hockey bag like they thought I was some triple-a player and uh, I go and I you know said something to the usher at the door and said where's the front max room and he probably was like why you know he was probably wondering what I was doing but I was there before the team and sitting there in the room and uh, all the guys came in and I saw Roland and he came right over to me he said something to me and then introduced myself to the rest of the team and um, I think we beat them 7-1 and I think I had an assist on the seventh goal so um, yeah it was it was a pretty fun experience. Yeah then fast forward to your 17 year old year you made the team full-time um, what was that camp like hearing the news that you made it? Uh, well, going into the camp, I knew I was on the team. I got a phone call um, in the summer, I think, and they were planning on me staying around and um, setting up a billet with me, setting me up in school. So throughout that summer, it was nice to know where I was going to be, but also a little nerve wracking with you know having to perform and, and stick with the club. So um, it was an exciting time. Um, uh, my dad and Blake came down with me and Blake was in the camp trying to make the team. And unfortunately, they didn't have a, a spot for him. But um, staying in Kingston and having my, my dad and Blake 
head home was kind of tough and it was a tough couple months and uh, I got through it and, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. How was your first year kind of living away from home, you know, not having your mom make all your meals for you, tuck you in at night, give you a kiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, uh, our family was so close and living away uh, at such a young age, you know, 17 is not, you still have a lot to learn while when you're 17. So, um, but you learn it quick. You have to. And, and um, yeah, there was some tough phone calls and, and uh, you know, but my, my parents are lucky that they can come down whenever I needed them. And uh, you know, I would text my dad on a Friday said, Hey, can you come down? And he'd be there and four or five hours. So um, I was lucky to have such a good support system and, and it helped me get through it. For sure. And then, you know, fast forward to uh, a couple years later, you're the captain of the team. How did that uh, progress? You know, was that just something that came with experience? And when did you know you were named captain? Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was at a practice. We had a practice and uh, the coach just pulled us in after and was kind of talking about what we needed to do to prepare for the week. And, and then at the end, he, he, uh, you know, said that the team captains will be, you know, myself and, and four other assistants. So when I uh, heard that, it was kind of surreal. And um, you kind of, you kind of have a sense of where you stand on the team, I think. And um, I think I was definitely a leader the year before I was an assistant captain after uh, one of our captains got traded at Christmas at the deadline. So I was an assistant captain for half the year and then going into the camp um, in my overage year, uh, just being, you know, tried to be responsible and, and be there for the young guys where, you know, it was a tough situation for me. I knew that some guys might be struggling. So you kind of reach out and you kind of understand where you stand and on the team. And um, yeah, it was an honor to be a captain and, and uh, yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah, how much more did you like the Kingston jerseys with the C on the front? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. So you played four years um, with Kingston, and, and then that last year when you were the captain, you guys went on a pretty good run uh, through the playoffs. You guys um, had quite a team, just to name a few of them. Some standouts that are in the NHL, like Jason Robertson, who's with Dallas right now, doing really well. Uh, might get the Calder Trophy this year. He's I know he's in the conversation for that. Um, guys like Gabe Velarde, who's with LA. Uh, and then other AHL kind of notables, uh, Cliff Poo, Sean Day, uh, Brett Newman. Who else kind of in that group stands out to you as guys you played with? Uh, Max Jones in Anaheim was a, a big addition for us. Yeah, you, did you trade for him at the deadline with Sean Day? Wasn't there like a bunch of draft picks and all those? Yeah, so, so Day was in Windsor. Right. And so we got him with Velarde, both of them. So we got two guys, we got Velarde and Day, and we got, that was the same trade, I think. And then we got Cliff Pooh from London and Max Jones from London, but those were separate trades. Right. But uh, those four guys were incredible players and and uh, great dudes too. So yeah, it was it was a fun year, and uh, we ran into a good Hamilton team that had uh, Robert Thomas. So he uh, dominated that series and went on to win the OHL championship and then the Stanley Cup the next year. So he had a good twelve months. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a fun year. When you're looking back, how good was Sean Day when he came into the OHL? You know, he was one of those few exceptional players, came from the States. Um, I think only McDavid and maybe Stamkos and Tavares are the other ones, you know. Ekblad. Ekblad as well. And then Shane Wright, who plays for Kingston. But what was he like coming into the league? Was he exceptional? 
Yeah, he was, uh, oh man, he was, the way he could skate was ridiculous. I remember watching him at a silver stick tournament um, in minor midget, and I, he played for CompuWare, I think, and, um, you know, I was kind of like, who is that guy, right? Like, and he gets exceptional status, and he gets drafted to Mississauga, and, um, you know, playing against him the first couple of years, I said, that guy is floating on the ice, basically. And uh, when he got traded to our team, it was incredible uh, addition for us, and, um, he could skate backwards faster than some of the guys could skate forwards. It was crazy. Yeah. Then after your OHL career, you committed to the University of Guelph, which we'll get to your career there. But what was that decision like? Were there any other opportunities on the table, whether it's overseas or maybe in the East Coast League? Or, or were you pretty dead set to go to university after your OHL career? Yeah, I was pretty I was pretty dead set on um, the OUA and NCIS hockey Uh you know, I, I, after my third year in Kingston, I had a really good year and I thought maybe I'd get a look uh, at a camp or something in the NHL or AHL, but nothing came about. So um, I continued to focus on the CIS and it was, uh, it was kind of an easy de- decision. Um, and with my brother, Mac playing at Guelph, it made it easier to, to uh, choose Guelph. And um, I'm very glad I did. Yeah. So going into your Guelph career, your first year there, you, you kind of came into a, an old, a very old, good university team. I think they had nine or ten um, fifth-year players, and you didn't really get a chance to, to play a ton that year. So um, talk about how hard that was for you, um, not really getting that opportunity um, and still having to, you know, compete during practice and, and stay in game shape. Yeah, that's the one thing you have to try and stay in game shape and and compete during practice in case you do get that opportunity to play. You know, and when you're not playing, the only – way you can get into the lineup is practice you know at the top of your abilities and um you know you don't want anyone to get hurt or anything like that you don't want someone to play bad and lose you a hockey game so you get into the lineup so but you kind of (laughs) do it was it was tough um trying to you know watch the guys have success and not be able to contribute to it but um it was uh it was a tough year but I learned a lot and um you know it all came full circle uh, the next year or so yeah and I'm sure in your OHL you probably went a couple years after high school without you know having to do courses or studying was it a tough transition getting back into the full course load and being a hockey player too yeah I wouldn't even call it a full course load I think uh, <laughs> I'm doing the bare minimum so I can tie my skates for games but uh yeah it was you know you have to reach out to teammates and friends to you know figure out the school system and uh, do your best. But um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, when you're playing in the OHL, all you have to do is go to, go to the rank and practice and then go home and wake up the next day and do the same thing. So to have to have homework and assignments to do, uh, you grow up pretty quick and get your priorities in line. And um, it's a fun experience though. So yeah. Yeah, you you love school though, right? You're a big school guy. Big school guy. <laughs> yeah. So moving into that second year, um, like we just said, you know, I think they had ten over like fifty year guys that year, so there was a lot of room for kind of a rebuild and guys to get bigger roles that next year. And that's something you did. You took full advantage of it. Um, ended up kind of pretty quickly making your way to the first line, playing with some pretty good players, and and had a nice little run that year. Um personally right like scoring quite a few goals and all that yeah it was uh it was fun to you know go into that year and see the holes 
left in the lineup from all the guys graduating. So, um, you know, you have to take what you can get. And uh, I think I started on the third line or whatever, and um, it was a game in Vermont. We had an exhibition game and uh, the coach pulled me in and said, you're going to play with these two guys in the top line. And I just ran with it. And, um, you know, they were the skilled guys and I was more of the guy to, you know, just get them the puck and make room for them. So it was a fun year and uh, we had a lot of success and uh, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Yeah. Speaking of that success, who were the other, you know, kind of competitive teams in your whoop that year? Uh, yeah. Toronto and Ryerson were good last year. Um, they were one and two and then we were, we were the third place team. Um, but Western, they were, uh, they were the eighth seed. Um, but they gave a lot of teams trouble throughout the year and in playoffs. Um, so they were kind of a underdog and, uh, they were a good team too. Yeah. So you, you just mentioned there, you guys finished third in your division or conference or whatever it is. Um, and you went on a nice run during the playoffs and you ended up, uh, coming to face Western, I believe in the semis of the OUA. Yep. Yeah. And you beat them going to, uh, which gave you the chance to host, the Queen's Cup, which is the oldest trophy, I believe, in hockey in Canada, actually, which is... I think might might be the second, but I don't know how old the trophy is, but the Queen's Cup, it was the 109th year, but the Queen's Cup older. Like, I'm not sure how, it's, how old it is, but it's old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you, you got to host that game. It was in Guelph, Pack Stadium. Um, you know, it was back and forth with uh, Ottawa. Yeah, University of Ottawa. Uh, ended up going to triple overtime where uh none other than yourself scored the game winner the place went nuts uh what was that feeling kind of like i know i was there i was going nuts what was that feeling like when you first saw the puck kind of go in the net yeah i i try and look back at it and it's such a blur but but the feeling of the of the celebration and everything it was amazing i think i remember it was right at the start i think it was a minute 15 into the third overtime so it was quick after the intermission and I remember the one thing I do remember is our one of our trainers went to a vending machine and got a pack of sour gummy worms and it was getting passed down the bench and I grabbed two and it was just something sweet and something to chew on and it was just so it was different than the stale granola bars right so um I'm, I I give a lot of credit to the trainers for doing that and uh stepping in on the ice I think we were on the back check right away and then um, Valentini picked up the puck and tried to stay on side and he slid it over to me and I tried to shoot it as fast as I could. So, um, yeah, when I went in the back of the net, it was kind of like a blackout moment. And I was like, wait, like, what, like, what do I do now? And, uh, you know, met Wendy on the other side and he jumped up and I caught him. And then you look and you see the whole bench coming towards you and you're like, holy shit. Like, what did I just do? And, um it's crazy yeah and then looking over at you and and the students going nuts it was such a memorable moment in my career and I'll never forget it you get any time to celebrate that night afterwards or what yeah we had a lot of time uh we were up I think till six yeah I think Uh, I think we might have saw the sunrise the next morning it was a long day and uh our coach said that we'd have a meeting at noon to figure out, you know, flights to Halifax for nationals. But I think we had to push it back a couple hours because boys were kind of rough the next morning, but it was all worth it. Yeah. Like we just said, kind of a lot of history with that game and, and uh, the OUA in, in Ontario for hockey. And 
one cool thing that kind of came from that is actually the Hockey Hall of Fame asked for uh, your stick, right, for the goal that you scored because it was the longest game in Queen's Cup history, right? So what was that kind of like to get that call that your stick might be going to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it was nuts. We That was at the meeting on the Sunday after the next day, and um, our coach said that he got an email from a guy at the Hockey Hall of Fame and wanted uh, wanted the stick, and, yeah, it was crazy. I said, no way. Like, they're not going to – like, so – uh, I don't think it ended up getting there because of the, the pandemic that kind of stalled it, but I'm sure we still have it. We, it's still in the coach's room that they, if they want, want to use it, they can, but um, it would be kind of cool to keep that for myself one day and have that. But if it wants to, if they want it at the hall of fame, yeah, they can, they can take it for a couple, couple of years. Yeah. I heard, I heard they had to like take down like some guy in Wayne Gretzky's exhibit. For years. I don't <laughs> yeah. Know. yeah. They slide mine in there over Wayne Gretzky. You're right beside the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess that kind of just leads us into this last year, right? So you were the year we were just talking about was 2019. So after that, obviously, COVID hit while you guys were just kind of at nationals, right? Uh, the tournament actually got canceled uh, because of COVID. Um, so you guys had to come home. So what was that like, kind of everything getting thrown up in the air for your next year um, and not really knowing if you're going to play hockey or not? Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, all the uncertainties surrounding the next year and um, just trying to stay ready and stay prepared. Um, you know, we, we knew, I think it was July, that we weren't going to start in September or October whenever we do start. And uh, There was hope for maybe November or uh, or January season and then, uh, so we would practice and uh, work out and then got the word around mid-October that there was going to be no season at all. So that was frustrating, but I mean, there's not much you can do. You got to, you know, do what you can and do what you need to, to get through it all. But um, this year there's hope for a season starting in September. So hopefully we can get all vaccinated and, and get back to normal as soon as possible. Did you lose a year of eligibility or, or how many years do you have left there? Yeah, I think it counts. So I would, I have two more years left, which is good, but. Um, That's good. Cause then you can finish all your courses, right? That's why it's good. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't have to rush, um, but it sucks for the guys that graduated and they couldn't go out the way that they should have. But yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll all get together whenever we can to celebrate those guys and make sure that they get sent off the right way. So yeah, uh, I actually, I have the Queen's Cup in my room, actually. It's here. Yeah, it's downstairs. So we'll maybe have a little get-together this summer and, and bring it. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I guess just before we kind of wrap up the overview of your career, and it's been, you know, it's been awesome so far to kind of see how hockey's helped give you a lot of experiences and take you places. Um, but just looking ahead, what kind of, you know, goals does Ted Nickel have or what does – Tay Nickel want to kind of achieve before he's done playing the game. Yeah, I think I want to play as long as I can. I think you know if it can be a job, it's the best job in the world. You know, you're you're basically a you know kid playing a game. So I want to do that as long as I can. I think um, Europe would be a fun option for me. Um, there's lots of leagues over there, and you know, with your brother Scott over in uh, Manchester, it would be. You know, it's cool to see how he's having success and kind of maybe follow in his footsteps one day. And um, and then after, I think, you know, I want to stick around the game, uh, whether that be coaching or scouting or um, it would be a lot of fun to help develop players and it's kind of a passion. So we'll see what happens in the future, but I want to stay playing for as long as I can. Yeah. How common is it for some of your Guelph teammates? Are a lot of them overseas now? Yeah, after my first year... Uh, 
quick count, there might have been five, six, maybe seven guys that went over. And then after last year, there was, uh, you know, with our season being canceled, some guys kind of rushed and uh, and got spots over in Europe to play. So, you know, that's good for them. Um, yeah, did that ever cross your mind uh, to, like, you know, maybe leave school this year and go overseas? Yeah, it's it did. Um, but I think that, you know, I want to get my schooling done. and um, But, you know, I also do want to play hockey. So, um, yeah, it definitely crossed my mind. But um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great overview of your career. Um, I don't. I, I think you're gonna stick around maybe for the rest of the episode. But uh, thanks for kind of just walking us through and, and kind of giving your take on it. It's really great to hear. Um, but for kind of the rest of the episode, we were thinking we would just go through uh, the playoffs. As our listeners already know, the NHL playoffs are in full swing. Um, once this gets recorded in the next couple of days, uh, we'll really be like four or five days into the playoffs. So. Uh, we just don't want anyone to think, you know, we're cheating too bad by giving our predictions and stuff. But we thought we'd kind of just go through each series, maybe give who each of us thinks is going to win, maybe a storyline for, you know, people to follow that series or that we're excited about. So, um, Matt, I don't know. Do you have anything to add there? Or do you want to just get right into it? Let's get into it. All right. So let's just start right away with, I think, the biggest series uh, in the last maybe, I don't know, 40, 50 years in Canada. Uh, and that's between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, Ted, we'll start with you here. What's kind of the, the big storyline for you, do you think, uh, with this series? Uh, okay, well, first, I think the Leafs in four. Oh. That's what I'm saying. You're saying full sweep. I think they're just going to overpower them. I hope. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. Okay. But, yeah, it's just, it, I guess it depends if uh, Campbell, I, I would assume Campbell starting. Yeah, I would think so for Toronto. I think it's his crease to lose. Yeah, I, I want the Leafs to win, and I want them to get it done quick. So, that's my pick. Love it. Matt, how about you? Well, Jay, you know, like, we're big Leafs fans here. Um, So, I have Leafs in five. I think Montreal will squeak out one close one, maybe in overtime on the road. But, yeah, as Teddy said, hopefully Campbell can stay healthy and play like he was earlier in the year. And I don't think they should have a tr- any trouble with the Habs. I saw that uh, they're actually scratching Cole Caulfield for the first game, too. So, they're not even riding their young guys right now who are playing well. Um. Maybe stir stir the pot a bit in the room. So I'm excited as a Leafs fan for that one to get started. Yeah, that Caulfield guy is the only guy who can score on their team, right? So I don't know why they're not playing him. But yeah, I also have Toronto uh, winning the series. I have in six, though, just because I know Montreal is going to come out fighting. And, and not that the Leafs are going to blow it by any means, but you know they always kind of struggle out of the gates in the playoffs. So I'm saying Leafs in six. Uh, for me, the big storyline here, you guys were talking about Campbell. I'm looking across to the other net, and that's Carey Price. I know... Uh, I think yesterday or the day before, maybe he played an AHL game because I know he's been hurt and he's just trying to kind of tune up for the series. So, yeah, do you think we'll see Price in net for Montreal? I'm assuming we will, but uh, how big would that be for the Leafs if Price wouldn't be playing? Well, they got a pretty good backup. They're kind of like us, right? Like uh, Price is banged up and Jake Allen's pretty good. So I don't think it'll make a huge difference. I know like the Leafs and Habs historically are pretty low scoring games, like defensive games. So. I think Montreal's game plan will be block as many shots as possible because, like, if these games are going to be, like, 5-4 or 4-3, they're probably going to lose most of them, you know, like with Toronto's forwards. So um, I don't think it matters as much, but obviously if Carey Price is playing, he's one of the best goalies in the league. So that makes a huge difference for them. All right, sticking in the North Division, we'll head over to Edmonton, uh, second seed versus Winnipeg, third. Uh, Ted, do you want to start us off again? Yeah, sure. Uh, I think... It'll be the Oilers in six. Um, more or less, these picks are what I want to happen. So uh, 
you know, it, it'd be awesome to see McDavid and, and uh, Matthews see each other in the second round. So, uh, but I think I'm going to give a little credit to the Jets because, you know, they're such a deep team and yeah, I think they'll get two, but uh, I think the Oilers are flying right now. So go Oilers. yeah. Who do you think is going to lead that, that series in points? Well, the obvious pick would be McDavid, right? So <laughs> yeah, I was kind of just trying to make it an obvious statement, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he'll probably lead it. How about you, Matt? What are you thinking for the Edmonton-Winnipeg series? I have, checking my bracket here, I have the Oilers in five, actually. I think it's not going to be that close. Winnipeg looks like they're on a bit of a skid right now. Um, I'm kind of a Jets homer, too. They're like my second favorite team, so it hurts me to do this. But uh, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl will have a good opening series, and their goaltending will be good enough um, to win games, so... How about you, Jay? Yeah, are you wearing a Jets hat right now? No, I'm wearing in honor of one of our past guests, a nice Syracuse Crunch hat. Mitch, if you're listening, I haven't got a Tampa one yet, so this is what I'm stuck with. Low blow right there. Do not have a Tampa hat already. Uh, yeah, so you guys both said Edmonton. I actually went Winnipeg on this one in seven. I think it's going to be a pretty close series. I know Winnipeg, like you said, Matt, they've kind of been going downhill the last little bit, but their team's just so deep. Like, you look at it on paper, like, at any moment, I think they can turn it on and be maybe the best team in the North. I mean, kind of similar build to Toronto. Um, it, the big thing for me is their defense, right? Like, I don't know if their defense is going to be able to stop the likes of McDavid and Drysdale. But I, I'm honestly, this might be the, the series that I'm looking forward to the most because I think they're both pretty good teams. So I guess we can move over to, we'll go to the East Division uh, if I can get my computer to move. Um, and we'll go to... Computers froze. Matt, do you have them right there? Yeah, so the first one is Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. Ted, who do you have in that series? Pittsburgh in seven. Um, just hard to bet against Crosby, um, which would make it exciting to go to seven, but just with New York Islanders and their way that they play is kind of boring. And um, So I think it'll be a low-scoring series, um, but I think Pittsburgh might – might win seven here. Yeah, I think boring is exactly the right word for this series is what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, just good defensive hockey. You're going to have uh, them just trying to shut down the likes of Crosby and them. I actually have the Islanders in six. Um, I, I feel like every year these two teams meet in the playoffs, and every year I'm like, oh, Pittsburgh is going to just crush them, right? But the Islanders always put up a good fight, or I think they beat them. They swept them, like not maybe last year or the year before in the playoffs. So, I'm going to go Islanders. I think they're uh, they're a good defensive team. They're coached well, and uh, I think they, they're better than most people think. Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. I'm with you on that one, Jay. I also have the Islanders in six. Uh, you would know this, but I actually, my hot take earlier in the year was Pittsburgh was going to miss the playoffs. So I look like an idiot right now with them in the one seed, but I still don't think they're that good, to be honest, this year. Uh, Malkin's out. Tristan Jari looks kind of shaky in there, so... Uh, I think uh, if the Islanders can get up to nothing in the series, it'll be uh, it'll be tough for them to claw back. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, you saying Pittsburgh wasn't going to make them coming first, or me saying the Flyers were going to make or be the first place team in that division. That's definitely worse. That's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, moving over to uh, the next one in that East division, which is Washington and Boston. Uh, really good series, two pretty heavy heavyweight teams uh ted you know let's just keep it going with you starting us off what are your thoughts on that series well yeah it's, it's definitely been the most exciting um both games going into overtime so far so i think it's gonna be close um but i think washington might win it in seven you never know with boston though they're you know the boston bruins they they make crazy stuff happen so 
Uh, I'm rooting for Washington in seven. I think it'll go, but you never know with those two teams. It's been exciting, though. Isn't it like four of the first five playoff games have all gone to overtime or something like that? Like, it's been really close games so far. So that's good. Yeah, that series in particular. Yeah, so I got Washington as well in seven. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we did these before the playoffs started. So I have Washington pretty deep uh, to kind of tease my bracket. Didn't predict that the Caps goalie would pull his groin pretty bad in the first game. So I don't know how I feel about that, but I still think they win this series. It'll probably be one of those classic like game seven overtime series if we had to pick one from the first round. Yeah, I also went game seven. So uh, we all agree there, but I went for Boston. Um, and that's really, there's one reason why I did it. And that's just, I really hope the Leafs and Boston meet at some point so that the Leafs can finally beat them. I just don't want Boston's fans saying, you know, if the Leafs ever ended up winning, I don't want them saying, oh, well, you didn't have to go through Boston this year or anything. Right. So that's why I want them to win, even though I hate Boston. Um, but yeah, I said them in seven, I think it's going to be a really good series. So, so basically you have the exact opposite bracket of Ted so far, right? We picked the opposite teams. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe other than the Leafs, I think we're the opposite. Besides Toronto, everything's opposite. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so heading over to uh, the West division. And uh, the first one here is Colorado and St. Louis. So uh, we'll start with Matt. We'll throw, throw everyone for a spin here. We'll start with you, uh, Matt. I have Colorado in five. I think um, they're pretty dominant. They're... I think the odds on Stanley Cup favorites coming into the playoffs, and I don't know if St. Louis has enough to kind of contend with them. So I think they'll squeak out one win. St. Louis, maybe kind of that game three, game four, one, extend the series, but um, I don't think it'll be that close from start to finish. Yeah, I have the exact same as you. Um, Colorado in five. Again, like you said, Colorado, they won the President's Trophy this year. They're, you know, they've kind of been shaping up to look like a contender for the last few years, and it, it looks like this could be their year. Um, and St. Louis, yeah, they just haven't looked like the team they did look like a couple of years ago. So um, I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm saying Colorado in five. How about you, Ted? I know you're a big St. Louis fan, so. Yeah, I have I have Colorado in seven. I think, yeah, like you said, you know how much I love O'Reilly and um, it, anything can happen. I mean, they were in last place and then won the Stanley Cup. So I, I it's hard to bet on a team like that. But uh, I think Colorado will win this series, but it's going to. It's going to go the distance and go seven. So. so that moves us over to the Vegas and Minnesota series. So uh, Matt, maybe what's a storyline that you're looking for uh, from this series? Yeah, this one's interesting. I think uh, these are two teams that truthfully, I don't watch much during the regular season. Vegas has kind of been, honestly, that you could almost argue they're the second best team in the league behind Colorado. So they kind of got shafted with the seeding and having to play Minnesota. It's a much tougher matchup. I think uh, the storyline for me is like, can Minnesota put together enough to win a series? You know, like they've been here multiple times and kind of are always like the first round exit type team. Um, you know, Kaprizov has been playing so well. They got a really good team. A lot of those guys have been there for a while. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, knock out Vegas. And um, I guess the other storyline would be like, does the winner of that series, you know, like really give Colorado a run and potentially make the finals? Like, I see that division as like kind of a finals lock, in my opinion, whoever comes out. So it'll be really interesting to see who wins that. Yeah, I mean, to kind of go off that point, I think Vegas-Colorado could be a really good second series. Like, those are two pretty deep teams. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a surprise that the Wilds had the year they did. Um, I don't think ever, anyone really expected it. Um, for me, the big storyline is Kirill the Thrill, Kaprizov there in Minnesota. Uh, you know, he kind of looks – he reminds me of Panarin when he first came over the league, right? Like, just – on a different level for a rookie. So 
Um, it'll be fun to see him try and kind of carry that team through the playoffs. Maybe they can make something special happen, but I also have uh, Vegas winning the series. I have it in six games, so I just I don't think Minnesota is going to be good enough to beat that that team in Vegas. How about you, Ted? Yeah, a lot of the same points. Um, you know, you don't watch these two teams very often, um, but it, there's kind of a trend on my predictions, and I think that it's going to go seven again, and uh, maybe Ve- I think Vegas is going to come back and win this series. I know they're up, down one nothing right now, but. Uh, but I think Vegas is, yeah, like you said, the second best team in the league you know, on any given night. So I think Vegas can come back and win this series in seven. Perfect. Yeah, and that just uh, sends us over to the last division before we wrap up, and that's the Central Division. So uh, quickly we'll go through those ones. And the, the first one's Carolina and Nashville. So, Matt, I don't know if you want to start that for us. Yeah, this was a good game one. Um, Carolina has absolutely packed their arena with fans. I don't know, like uh, – if, if that was the owner's call, the coach's call, but, you know, good for them being able to get everyone jabbed and uh, getting a bunch of fans in there. So that was an awesome atmosphere. I have Carolina in six right now. I don't think Nashville's that big of a threat in my opinion. So, um, so yeah, I saw the the crowd there and they were doing the storm surge at the end of the game when they won. And uh, it just makes me really wish we could do that here in Ontario, but uh, it doesn't look like it. So uh, Ted, how about you? How who do you got for this series? Yeah, I have I have Carolina in five. Um, I think uh, I think this division is maybe the best one out of all four. I think uh, with Carolina, Florida, and Tampa is you know they were kind of a surprise. All you know everyone thought that Tampa would be the runaway favorite with this division, but Carolina and Florida played really well this year, and I think whoever makes it onto the second round, it's going to be a really good matchup, but I think Carolina will, and I think they'll get it done in five. Yeah. So I actually have Carolina going for the sweep against Nashville. So four straight. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but I think we're all in agreement there that Carolina looks like the, the favorites in that series. Uh, so we'll head over to the other um, series in that division and that's the battle of Florida. So Florida Panthers versus Tampa Bay. Uh, Matt, I know you're a big Tampa fan, obviously, uh, we talked with Mitch Stevens, uh, but we've also had two Florida Panthers on the show this year. So, you know, three standing room only guys are in that series. So that's pretty big for the show. Yeah, battle of standing room only guests in that series. And man, game one lived up to expectations. That was a wild series. I love those games where there's like a scrum after every whistle. So um, this one was really tough. It's probably the one I spent the most time on. I uh, I have Tampa and seven solely due to the fact that Cooch and Samkos are back. I think if it were to go to seven, I'll just take the more talent, and I think Tampa has that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Florida wins. It's it's going to be a really close series, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of really good talent. And it's nice, obviously, like you said, for Tampa. That's a big storyline for them is getting Kucherov and Stammer back for the playoffs. Obviously, you know, two of the better players in the league. So that's always going to help. How about you, Ted? Who do you got for that series? Uh, yeah, this is a good series. Uh, I have Tampa in six, but... Honestly, I think it, it could be a coin flip. Um, I'm kind of rooting for the Panthers, um, not because not only because there was two guests that play on the team, but um, I played with Sam Bennett, and uh, he's you know you always kind of want to root for the guys that you played with, so I'm rooting for him. And I know he's suspended for game two, but um, I think he had a really strong game one, and um, a couple years ago with with Calgary there in the playoffs, he. You know, it, you know, they kind of make the assumption that he's, you know, playoff Bennett and regular season Bennett. And um, I hope, you know, playoff Bennett can come out and, and 
help with this team. And um, but I, I think you know, I think Tampa might win it, but I'm rooting for Florida. Yeah, so I, uh, I have Florida winning in seven. So I agree. I think it's going to be a great series, a long series. Um, I'm just uh, honestly, I'm just rooting for Florida because they have two standing room only guests. That's that's the only reason. So, uh, and it's good to see uh, our guest of episode eight, Owen Tippett, doing really well to end the year. He, he's in a pretty good situation right now, playing with Huberto and um, getting top six minutes. So, uh, you know, with Bennett out, as Teddy mentioned for game two, like they'll probably ride on that line a ton tonight. So. For sure. Yeah. So then quickly, before we kind of just wrap it up, Matt, who do you have winning your bracket just so we can have it on record? All right. On record, you hear it here first. That's a pretty chalk pick, but I have Colorado beating Washington in game six to win the Stanley Cup this year. Wow. Well, I have, uh, I have Colorado in the finals, but I have them being beat by our hometown Leafs. This is the year we do it. This is the year we do it. No more. What happened in 67? I want, I wanted to give a Homer pick and go with the Leafs, but I, I knew that you would pick them. So I, I decided to go against it. I do have them coming out of the North though. So yeah, I had to, I had, how about you, Ted? I, I don't think you did a full bracket, but do you have any uh, winner that you could see? Yeah, I didn't do a bracket, but, um, oh man, let's go. Let's, I'm going to just stick with you, Jay. Cause we do everything together. I'll do, I'll do Leafs over the abs. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, uh, I think that was a great episode, Ted. Again, thanks for coming on. Um, I know it was pretty last minute. We just wanted to do kind of a special guest and special episode. So it was fun having you on. Again, number one fan of the show and and friend of the podcast. So uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you have anything to add. No, thanks a ton for coming on. It was awesome chatting with you, learning more about your career and hearing your take on the playoffs. So uh, more than welcome to come on anytime, man. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. It felt like we were just uh, the six, Jay, just you sitting on the couch to me on my, my lazy boy. So those are the days I... Yeah, yeah. for anyone, for the listeners, the six was our house at school. Uh, we called it the six. And yeah, Teddy and I spent a lot of time doing class on the couch. <laughs> yeah. If you call Madden 20 class, then that's what we were doing. <laughs> you guys can maybe combine for one degree or something. Yeah, it would be... It would be probably still pushing it but yeah but no ted we really appreciate it It was really fun um obviously it sucks we haven't been able to see you in a bit but hopefully you know you stay safe during this time and and stay healthy and uh you know keep on your a game and you'll be back in the swing before we know it so um yeah thanks again for coming on best of luck moving forward and we're definitely gonna have you on back down thank you guys